Hello, everyone, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, April 29th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Well, we're at the end of another week. This was a crazy week, wasn't it? It began with Elon Musk buying Twitter. It began with Elon Musk buying Twitter. And throughout the week, we've seen Democrats' heads explode, liberals' heads explode, saying now Twitter's going to become a free and open exchange of ideas and of opinions. And that's very bad. Democrats don't want that. They don't want that. They want their own playground. They want to be able to control the narrative. They want to get the people they want elected. They want to get the ideas they want pushed. And that's all they care about. And it's quite obvious. So it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy week. Elon Musk is holding steady. He's having fun with it. He's tweeting. He has a sense of humor. You know, as far as billionaires go, this guy isn't so bad. I mean, this guy created Tesla. You remember Democrats uh, a week and a half ago loved him because uh, Tesla with the electric cars when he's done for the environment. And they were always praising him as a, you know, we don't really like billionaires, but as far as billionaires go, this guy cares about the environment. So he's putting the money to good use and SpaceX, the same thing and everything he's done until now, of course, because their playground is being muddied by free speech. Um, and so speaking of free speech, we're going to get right into this because we have like a, it's like a potpourri, if I can remember, which is interesting. If I can remember what I want to talk about, we have a potpourri of things to talk about and we're going to end it with a film called Memory. Which is interesting because my memory's going. So anyway, but if I look at my Twitter feed, it will remind me. And uh, this is the most frightening thing. This is getting – the Biden administration is getting more and more dystopian. It's getting more and more dystopian by the day. Uh, as Glenn Greenwald tweeted today and many of you may have heard about, the Biden administration casually announced today that the Department of Homeland Security, a domestic security agency, has created a – Disinformation board is incredibly dystopian and chilling. That Democrats think this is good and normal tells you all you need to know about them. And I responded to Glenn and my shadow banning. Let's see if well, I got some responses here. Democrats are one of the most dangerous political parties ever. Oh, all right. Someone said truth. Yes. And the person leading it as, is as dystopian as it can get. Yeah, so they want – the Biden administration is going to have a by, – by the Department of Homeland Security, which is part of the already dystopian nightmare of 9-11 and uh, the TSA and all that nonsense that was created and the Patriot Act and all that stuff. All this stuff was supposed to be kind of temporary. Wasn't it supposed to be temporary, most of this stuff? Temporary, like masks and vaccines and such, vaccine passports and mandates. Um is, is actually saying, and as, as Glenn Greenwald said, very casually, very casually said they're having a, a, a disinformation board so they can decide what's information and disinformation the way Twitter has decided what's information and disinformation. And we can go through a litany again of things that were called disinformation two years ago and people were banned uh, saying because they said two years ago, now everyone knows the truth. So we'll have the same shit from this, of course. They'll say something is disinformation. What that means, I don't know. Does that mean you get canceled? Does that mean someone comes, a hitman comes and, and kills you? What, what does it mean? Does it mean you go to jail? Well, I don't understand what it means exactly. I have, I have no idea what it means. But they're creating a disinformation board, which is, of course, incredibly Orwellian, very chilling. As Glenn, chilling is the, is the best word to use, and Glenn Greenwald, as usual, uses the best words. Um, and it's the fact that they're so cavalier about this really shows that this is their plan. They don't care. In other words, they know this will cost Biden another seven points in his approval. They know it will cost him another 20, 30 seats come November. 
if there were even 20, 30 seats, more seats to lose. But they don't care. You see, this is their plan. Their plan is doesn't matter. Politics doesn't matter. The makeup of Congress doesn't matter. Elections don't matter. What the people say, what the people want doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, you know, I used to watch back in my day when I was something was wrong with my brain. I used to watch Morning Joe a lot before I got deprogrammed. And uh, Joe would always say, being a politician and now a talking head without a brain, used to say, well, something's a 70-30, 80-20 issue. Meaning if 70% of the people are for it or 80% of the people are for it, if you're a politician, you know you've got to go with that. And it's not being a political whore. It's not just, it's not just going with the whims of, uh, uh, of, the, of the winds. I mean it, it's, it's what the people want. That's what you're elected for to represent the people. And if 70 to 80% of the people say something, they want something, you've got to go with that. That always made sense to me. So on all these issues, when you see polls, you're seeing 70, 80, 90 percent of the people saying we, want, we don't want censorship. We don't want masks. We don't want vaccine passports. We don't want vaccine mandates. And I'm sure at least 70 to 80 percent of the people, if not more, including many Democrats, I'm sure this hasn't been polled yet, don't want a, a disinformation board deciding what is truth, what is fact, and censoring and canceling a uh, dissenting opinion. But they don't care. It doesn't matter if something's a 70, 80 issue to Democrats anymore. That doesn't matter. If that mattered, they wouldn't be getting shellacked in November. If that happened, Glenn Youngkin wouldn't have been elected because they knew the people in Virginia didn't want this crap. They didn't want this critical race theory. And we'll talk about critical race theory. That'll take us into our next thing in a second. We're going to do very short segments. This is going to be like a, a Fox show today where everything's so strictly programmed into like Five-minute segments, and you can't go over five minutes So, because we have a lot to talk about, and we have a film review too. So this is frightening. This is absolutely frightening what's happening, and the Democrats don't care because it's about a master plan of a new world order, which Biden just said about a month ago. Out of his mouth, he said it in a positive way, not a negative way, of the Great Reset. So this is what they want. This is all in the planning this is not just popping up now. You think yesterday someone just said, oh, let's have a disinformation board. No, this was all in the planning. This was all in the planning, which makes you wonder about COVID being in the planning. So they don't care. They don't care that people don't want this. They don't care. It's not a, of course, it's not a popular idea. Of course, it's a horribly dystopian, Orwellian, chilling idea. They don't care. This is what they want. This is the new world they want to create, and they're going to go down swinging. That's what that's all about. But this does tell you – I mean this is the – as I said, this Democratic Party is the most dangerous political party in my lifetime. It's got to be the most dangerous political party since the Nazi party. Yes, I'll go there. I'll go to Hitler. I'll go to Nazi Germany and Nazis because this is the most dangerous political party in 80-some-odd years. There's no doubt about it. And they're proving it day in, day out. They're proving it day in, day out. And like I said, we're going we're gonna to kill them in November, but they don't care. They simply don't. They'll do as much damage as they can. They'll change things as much as they can, and they'll get as much out of it like they do with everything. Biden knows almost everything he does is illegal, and then it goes to the courts, everything involving COVID mandates, and he loses. And he loses in the local courts, and he loses in the Supreme Court. But he, once he gets away with it, it's like a child getting away with something as long as they can before their parents find out. They're happy that they got away with it for a while as opposed to not getting away with it at all. And so that's the, that's the incredibly chilling nature of Joe Biden and the Biden administration and the current Democratic Party, the way it's constructed and who, it's, who, who belongs to it. 
Critical race theory. Like I said, they knew this. They knew this in Virginia was going to kill them. They didn't care. They didn't care. Parents were saying it. Polls were saying it. And they went along with it anyway because they want to push critical race theory. They want to push critical race theory so much that 10% of the money, the COVID money, at least 10% in many states like California, Illinois, and New York, has been stolen from COVID relief to go towards teaching critical race theory. Now, where does critical race theory have to do with COVID relief? We now know the COVID relief funds are going towards teaching critical race theory, pushing critical race theory. Did you know that? Did you know your tax dollars were going towards pushing critical race theory? Your tax dollars that were supposedly to go for COVID relief? COVID relief that was forced by not a virus because a virus can't – a virus can't create – an atmosphere where you need to relieve people of, 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 of the suffering that you're inflicting on them. Only politicians can do that. So the COVID relief was needed because of the democratic politicians and their policies, which made people suffer in agony for two years. But that money that was supposed to go for that relief is now being taken and put into critical race theory in several states. Once again, they just lost. They just lost based on that one issue alone. In, in Virginia, that one issue alone of the government taking over your children's minds, you don't matter anymore. The parents don't matter anymore. The government controls your child. When that child comes out whack, and gets smacked on the ass, it belongs to the government now. When that umbilical cord is cut, it belongs to the government now. That's what's happened. And they knew they were going to lose on that, but they don't care. They don't care. Because they're a cult, and a cult doesn't care about polls. A cult doesn't care about elections. A cult doesn't care about who's elected. They only care about their sickness that they want to push. The sickness they believe is virtue, I suppose. Goes along with all the virtue signaling. And we'll talk about that. Look, I'm, I'm doing great transitions here. I'm doing great transitions here. I mean, this is better than you've ever seen on TV. It really is. But that's it. That They don't care. So now your money's going towards critical race theory that you thought was going towards COVID release that was relief that was necessary because of the pain Democratic politicians inflicted with their mandates. So this is like adding insult to injury. It truly is. They did things that made the economy die. Then they did this stimulus thing, which made the economy die even more. And now that is going towards critical race theory, which is going to poison our children's minds. This is – once again, this is, the, this is why I say this Democrat party is the most dangerous party since the Nazi party. It absolutely is. And believe me, look, people, I don't want to get uh, – people out there have PSD or they have you – know, the Holocaust was horrible. I don't want to revisit it. But I believe there are certain people – I won't say all of them. I think it will be ridiculous of me to say all of them. But there are certain people that would do certain things that the Nazis did if they can get away with it now to people who aren't vaccinated, which will take us into another transition. I got so much to talk about. Um, a 15-year-old boy – I feel like I'm doing the headline. I feel like this is headline news tonight. But this is like uh, Potpourri Friday. This is a Potpourri Friday. Sorry, folks. This is just the way everything happened. I mean there were so many things that happened in the last 24 hours, most of them horrible, like a 15-year-old boy who killed himself. This poor 15-year-old kid killed himself because he was bullied because kids believed he was not vaccinated. So they bullied him based on his vaccination status. And he ends up committing suicide. Democrats are, are directly responsible for that. And I don't believe this is an isolated incident. We've heard of this one. But I can only imagine there have been others. I'm sure there are children who have been tortured and thought about, at least thought about killing themselves. 
based on this kind of bullying, which is inflicted by the Democratic Party and their, and their narrative of, of vaccines make you glorious and a, and a wonderful human being. If you're not vaccinated, you're dirty. You're a dirty person. Well, like, like the Nazis thought, Jews were dirty. Once again, bringing us back to the Nazi party, the Holocaust, and the fact that this Democratic Party is the most dangerous party since the Nazi party. There's absolutely no doubt about it. They keep on proving it day in, day out, issue after issue, policy after policy, mandate after mandate. And because they pushed for months and months and months that if you're vaccinated, you're, you're clean. If you're unvaccinated, you're unclean. This caused children, this caused children who are very easily influenced by what they hear and see on TV and through their parents' mouths. Many of their parents, also Democratic cultists, believe this. So they tortured this poor kid because either he was – I don't know if he was unvaccinated or not. Or they thought he was, but even if he was, who cares? And uh, if the parents were smart, he would not have been vaccinated. And they tortured him to the point where he killed himself. The Democrat Party is directly responsible for this child's death. They are 100 percent responsible for this child's death. These vile people, these vile people who I despise with every ounce of my being. With every ounce of my being, I despise them. Every ounce of it. How much more pain are they going to inflict on us? How much more pain are they going to inflict on our children? Now we hear there's going to be approval, FDA approval of a vaccine for newborns, for infants. How much longer are we going to let them get away with this? How much longer are we going to let them get away with it? Just do what they want. How much longer? At some point, it has to stop. At some point, we have to make it stop. At some point, we have to make them stop. We must force them to stop. And I don't know if elections are enough. Like I said, I don't think they care about elections. So I'm handcuffed here in a way because I I just – I would love to say peaceful elections are enough. But Democrats don't seem to care because if peaceful elections were enough, they would stop because they're losing and the polls they're losing. And they know they're going to get destroyed and annihilated in six months. So if they don't care about that, how do you make them stop? How do you make these people stop? How do you stop the greed of big pharma? How do you stop the greed and the, and the, the absolute whorish nature of the, of the FDA? How do you dismantle the, How do you uh, dismantle and defund the CDC? That's what we should be talking about, not dismantling and defunding the police. Dismantling and defunding the CDC And either starting from scratch or just scratching the whole organization totally because they're useless, they're pointless, they're always wrong, they're incompetent. But I don't – please, someone tell me that peaceful elections are enough. I don't see any evidence of that. And I think I'll be proven right when after the Democrats get destroyed in November, they continue on. They'll continue on after being destroyed, losing the House, losing the Senate, knowing – that that then transitions to the 2024 presidential election where they lose the White House and they still won't care. So, I don't know. It's a conundrum. It's a conundrum. It really is. What is that line from JFK, Joe Pesci? It's like a, it's a conundrum wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a, it's, it's just it, in a puzzle. It's, it's, I don't know how you stop them from this new world order they want, from this great reset from this incredibly ridiculous wokeness and greed and destructive mandates and policies and authoritarianism. I don't know. I don't know. 
Now, we also have, as we continue on in our Potpourri Friday, our Potpourri Friday, um, oh, I, I, I wanted to mention, I did, I did want to mention something about the horrible racist, oh, two things. First of all, I get, before I get to racist Joy Reid, I want to talk about Eric Adams, my favorite guy to, to kick Eric Adams. And I've got well, four years of it coming, right? This is going to be fun. Um, it, it, here's a guy who – his city is a shithole, like my city, San Francisco, both shitholes. People fleeing in the hundredth – we've got about a half million people who have left New York over the last two years. We know just in the year 2021 alone, about 300,000 people left New York. Just in the year 2021 alone, about 150,000 people left San Francisco, which is a huge chunk of the population since it was only 800,000 to begin with. We've actually become a small town over the last two, two plus years as opposed to a medium-sized city. We're now a small town because of all the people that have left. Um, Eric Adams, when his city's a shithole, when there's crime up the ass, people getting shot in the subway, can- smoke can- people with smoke canisters in subways shooting people, raping people, looting all over the city, what he's concerned with is police looking at their cell phones. Have you heard about this one? Where he goes on, on TV from City Hall and he says to the, into the camera, citizens, if you're, you know, Eric Adams uneloquent, non-eloquent, low IQ way. If you see a cop on the phone, take a photo, send it to me, and I'll be like, he thinks he's, he's Batman. He's gonna, then he's going to be at the station, he said. He's going he's to come to the station and chastise the cops? Give me a fucking break. So, and then the, the, one of the police union guys said, this is ridiculous. This is the year 2022. Is Eric Adams not? No, I know he didn't have cell phones when he was a cop. But as the boss of all the cops, as the mayor of New York City, doesn't he realize that police have to look at their cell phones? Not, not that they might look at them. They need to look at them. This is how they get updates these days. There's more on the cell phones than those walkie-talkies. Why use walkie-talkies when you have cell phone technology? You go walkie-talkie. When you have the cell phone, you can look at and you get a fucking text. And it tells you an alert. And it says, well, you're needed here. You're needed there. There's an outbreak here. There's a, there's, a, there's a crime going on here. There's a fire here. Someone's getting raped down the block. That happens in New York a million times a day now. These cops need this. They need the technology. They're not surfing porn. And so he says, if you're a citizen and you see a cop on a cell phone, take a photo. If you're a citizen and you see a cop on a cell phone, how do you know what they're doing? Do you see what's on the screen? So if they're getting an alert that they need to be two blocks down, you're going to take a photo of that and then they're going to get in trouble for that? This is so stupid. It's so stupid. Once again... I don't understand what's wrong with politicians. Well, I do know what's wrong with certain politicians because certain people get to these places because of reasons other than intelligence and other than qualifications. Usually it's uh, skin deep, let's say. So I know what's wrong. I know, what's, I know what the primary problem is with a lot of people in, in public places, the public uh, office, they shouldn't be there. But I don't understand. If a politician knows what people think about, politicians don't know what people think about when they wake up, when they go to bed at night, do you think people when they wake up or go to bed at night, wake up in the morning and think, oh, God, I can't believe these cops and they use their cell phones. I'm, I feel so frightened. I feel so threatened. I feel so threatened by these cops looking at their cell phones. Or do they think, you know, I'm afraid of, I got to go, I have a party tonight to go to and I have to, you know, I'd like to stay out till midnight, but I should probably leave at 1030 because I'm afraid of getting raped. I'm afraid of taking the subway. I don't know if I can afford to take Uber, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't want to get shot or robbed. This is what people think about. 
Not is the cop looking at their cell phone. These people are absolutely clueless. But like I said, when you don't have the IQ, to be, when you don't belong in a certain position and you're there, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen when you vote on people because of a, uh, uh, the color of their skin or their gender or the, the letter next to their name, D or R. You should look at the person. You should look at their intelligence. But that's not what happens in this country. Very few people get elected on merit here. You have to understand that. People usually get elected based on identity politics combined with connections and money. That's a good thing. If you're like – if you have the identity politics going and you have connections of people who want you in because they love the fact they can use you and abuse you as a if – you're, if you're in that office or you have a certain color or gender and they want you in there and they have money to help you with, you're in. That's how you get in. Not because of IQ or intelligence or real qualifications, or common sense. So this is what you get. You get the Eric Adams of the world. You get the Gavin Newsoms of the world. You get the Nancy Pelosi's of the world. You get the London Breeds of the world. You get the Eric Garcetti's of the world. You, I, I can go on and forever. I can go on forever. I don't know. You know, it, 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 I'm just amazed every day. I'm amazed every day at these politicians and the way they just wave this, their ignorance in our faces and we let them get away with it and we keep on re-electing them and we elect more people like them. So that's what Eric, that's what Eric Adams is, is concerned with. He's concerned with masking two-year-olds and cops looking at their cell phones because when people, when New Yorkers, that's what they think about every day. They think like, God, I God, thank God that two-year-old, that infant's wearing a mask in, in school, thank, or in, in, in nursery school. I, thank God those four-year-olds are into kindergarten with masks on. Thank God. Thank God those toddlers in the, in the, uh, being rolled down the street in carriages have masks on. Thank God. Thank God police can't look into their cell phones anymore. Because that's really been troubling us. That's, what, that, that's what's really troubling this city. Two-year-olds not wearing masks and police looking into their cell phones. And, and, and these people want to be taken seriously. And he wants to play a tough guy. Yeah, take a photo of that cop and I'll be at that station. Take a photo of that cop and I'll be at that station. Not a good streak for African-American mayors in New York. There have only been two. But you know what? At least the one before this, as inept as he may have been in a lot of ways... And also very soft and lots of problems when it comes to crime. At least David Dinkins had dignity. At least he was intelligent, eloquent, classy. This guy's not. This guy doesn't have half the IQ David Dinkins had. Not half the IQ. I was there for David Dinkins. Issues, yes. Should he have been mayor? Probably not. But incredibly well-spoken, smart man, dignified. Ugh. Eric Adams, hey, Eric, I knew David Dinkins. David Dinkins is my friend. You know David Dinkins, anyone. Okay. All right. So we talked about Fauci yesterday. Yes, Fauci. Oh, one more thing before we get to the film review. I wanted to start with this. and Look, look at this. Um, the BART, BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit here in San Francisco, the Bay Area, which connects San Francisco to Oakland, for those of you who don't know. Um, they have reinstated their they all they all met today in an emergency meeting, De- year three of COVID, 
And they had to meet for an emergency meeting. Emergency. Emergency. People are getting colds. People are getting colds all over the city. Emergency. So they met and they decided to reinstate their mask mandate. As everyone else in the country and the world is ending masks, as masks have been ended for years, plus in many states like Florida and Texas, they meet today and decide we must reinstate mask mandates. It's time to throw these morons out. Just throw them the fuck out and start with their leader, Humpty Dufty. Devin, Devin Dufty. Devin Dufty. What a dumb name. Everyone should tweet at Bevan Dufty. B-E-V-A-N-D-U-F-T-Y. B-E-V-A-N-D-U-F-T-Y. Everyone should tweet Humpty Dufty and tell him what a fucking idiot he is. Their, their reasoning is they want to protect two-year-olds who aren't vaccinated yet. Two-year-olds who shouldn't be vaccinated, who have no threat from COVID, those are the people they want to protect. So everyone else, the 99% of other people who are vaccinated in the Bay Area must wear masks. Science on any front doesn't matter with these people. Just this continued control over you and absolute Trump derangement syndrome, virtue signaling. That's all that matters. Let's recall Humpty Dufty and everyone on the the BART board, just like we recalled all the school board members in San Francisco, and we're going to recall a horrible Chesabudin here as well. Get rid of these people once and for all. My goodness, never-ending. Never-ending. Once again, don't care about polls, don't care what people want, just their narrative and their control. That's all that matters. You know what these people deserve? You know what Democrats deserve? You know what liberals deserve? They deserve a, a visit by Liam Neeson. They all deserve a visit by Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson should show up in their bedrooms. <laughs> like he shows up in the movie Memory. How about this? Another transition. My final transition of the show of the week. And isn't it brilliant? Okay, no one cares. Um, okay, so the movie is Memory. And the star is Liam Neeson, the never-ending action star. How old is Liam? Let's check it up on IMDb here. Liam was born in 52. All right, he's getting up there. He's getting up there. He certainly is getting up there. But, but, he still looks great. Great action star. We love Liam Neeson, right? I have certain skills. I have certain skills. You know, so anyway, that's Liam Neeson. In this film, Liam Neeson plays a hitman. He plays a hitman, and he is... Uh, he finds himself having problems with his memory, too. Runs in his family, Alzheimer's. We see his older brother. There's a scene with him and his older brother who's totally, you know, vegged out from Alzheimer's. And Liam Neeson is, is developing Alzheimer's and he actually takes taking Alzheimer's drugs throughout the film. So he's a hitman who's losing his memory, who is assigned to do a hit. And it ends up being a hit on a 13-year-old girl because there's some involvement with child sex trafficking and they want to get rid of her, the people who have uh, asked him to hit her, kill her, uh, are involved in a child sex ring. And he realizes what's going on. He refuses to do it. And then, of course, he's on the outs with the, the people who hired him. And, of course, Liam has to kill a lot of people. And so what we have here basically is a film which presents Liam as a bad guy, and most of the films Liam Neeson is, is uh, you know, there's the complexity within his character. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is, you know, it's not black and white. He likes playing these complex characters. So he's a, a hitman who then, of course, decides that he, he can't do this hit and what's going on is wrong and he's going to clean it up and set things straight and have a clean conscience as he deteriorates with his memory loss. 
little bit of in-joke here. Uh, Guy Pierce, who I hadn't seen in a long time, plays a, a, a F- FBI agent who's also involved in, in exposing these child sex rings, and that's how him and Liam Neeson, the two characters, meet. And I won't tell you exactly what happens between the two characters, but there's a lot of interaction. So it, their two stories kind of, kind of come together. But, you know, you remember Guy Pierce was in that movie Memento, where he was, has his memory issues and he was writing all this stuff on his body. Well, it's interesting. He's in this film and Liam Neeson having memory problems, but Liam Neeson being as old as he is, he's not as ripped as Guy Pierce was, he's, he's writing, he writes all the stuff on his forearm to remember things. The film's a mess. I'm sorry. I love Liam Neeson. I really wanted to like this movie. I've liked a lot of Liam Neeson's action films, but this film's a mess. The screenplay's a total mess. I mean, the stuff with the, the memory and stuff could have been really fleshed out well. It's not. It's kind of a side note. You know, unlike Memento, where it played, the far superior Memento, where it played with time, you know, Christopher Nolan's uh, debut film, where it played with time and memory, and, and it was just wonderfully complex and fleshed out. This is not. This is kind of a dud on many levels. Uh, Liam Neeson's such a great, intense actor that his scenes, you're still involved in his scenes because he's such a great actor, and Guy Pearce still has it. The, the performances are top notch. But it's such a fast and loose screenplay. Here you have a guy who's losing his memory, who's starting to stutter and can't remember words, and yet still he has – while he's in this total fog, he has moments where he can be this great hitman still and, and really on, you know, he knows when someone's coming after him and he's able to have these incredible moments of, of, uh, of, you know, of a- a- action star you know, a power where he's able to overpower people even though he has no memory. It doesn't really work. If a guy was really that bad off where he's basically, as the film says, three to six months away from death because of Alzheimer's, he wouldn't be able to do half of what he does in this film. Um, I really wish it had fleshed out his character more. I think it's a, an interesting angle. It really is. A hitman getting Alzheimer's. But the film totally drops the ball there. And it never brings together its, its threads of this hitman in a way trying to not really go straight but do the right thing. And also this child sex ring. Everything's kind of just loose, left, le- left, left out there loose with, uh, you know, and it never, it never comes together into, a, into anything cohesive. Um, a lot of the scenes are just totally outlandish, you know, with, with, pl- with so many plot holes. And um, unfortunately, about halfway through, you, you kind of lose attention. Once again, Lee, Liam's such a great actor. He's such an intense actor. He's such a, you know, that you're certainly involved in his scenes. And he, but he's, 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 he's misused here. Um, so is Guy Pierce. Kind of a shame. You got good actors here. And this, this could have been a better film if it had really cared more about his characters and, and developing them um, than this whole idea of, you know, a hitman. And you don't really believe, the screenplay is so weak, you don't really believe this transition. It's almost as though they couldn't deal with Liam Neeson just simply being a bad guy. That there has to be this transition where he he, he refused to do a hit and he becomes, you know, supposedly becomes a good guy while he still kills people, you know. Uh, But I think that's kind of the problem too. It kind of sells out. It doesn't, it's like we can't have Liam Neeson as just simply a bad guy. We can't have Neeson as as simply a hitman for hire who's bad. That has to be. And that, that moral complexity, which maybe has worked a little bit in his past films, doesn't work here because the character is so poorly developed. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Like I said, shoddy screenplay, the killer for many films, especially with, even with good acting like Liam Neeson and, uh, and Guy Pierce. And so uh, despite the good performances, I'm going to have to give it a C. It's a failure.
Don't go see Memory. Stream one of Liam's other action films. All right, that is And Let's Be Heard for the week. That's And Let's Be Heard for the week. Uh, I'm Mike Chopoli. Thanks for listening. And remember, always remember, don't forget, because it's the weekend, you have to remember, vote Democrats out of office. Vote them out now. Have a good weekend. See you Monday.